So it's not always retained either. 
So if you ask her to repeat what she said five minutes later, she's not going to remember it. Sometimes. So my advice is like, have pen and paper ready or something to record with. And because like, you can capture the stuff. Like you'll know it when it's like something for you. It'd be like, oh, 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 I felt that. Right? And chances are the stuff that hits you isn't going to hit your neighbor either. It's that kind of Raina-esque. It's really very listener-specific. Um, when like our friends call her and they tell some stories in their lives, because we all have them, um, the Lord will start kind of talking. And like the most common thing I hear from friends is, let me get some paper and pen. I'm gonna write this down. As literally, like as she's canceling up their writing, um, and then an hour later, she remembers fifteen words out of five thousand, and and it'll be stuff that's good for her. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's just the way the Lord works through her. Um, she's a wonderful woman, very genuine, um, but it's it's kind of funny. She's more alive than she gives herself credit for. Her. You ready? Yes. My lovely wife would do. You may want to back up a little. Um, just because if you put the microphone in the path of the speakers, you can try it now. I had more room last night than I thought I had. Okay, I remember that today. Good morning, everybody. And, uh, thank you again for having us. It's always so much fun to be here and be with you. And, um, you know, this morning I'm really not entirely sure how this is gonna go, which I'm like, okay, Lord. I feel like he gave me I feel like he gave me a little bit of like a diving board, like a little bit of a springboard to jump off of. And then we'll just kind of see um, where he goes with it. Um, the one thing I do believe that he kind of just led me in and put in my heart is he just wants me to share with you a little bit out of uh, the journey I've been on. I've been on a very interesting journey for a little over six years. I'm still right in the middle of it. I'm still kind of like walking and diving deep through the rabbit hole of it. Um, but there's a lot of different nuggets and a lot of different aspects of, of him in and through it. And so I'm just going to talk and share a little bit. Um, there are a couple of like pointed moments in it. Um, but, you know, it's really just about Jesus and his spirit and who he is and what he has for each one of us. And so um, I think I'm just going to begin with kind of the start of the journey because it kind of frames kind of the bigger picture of what my life has been for a little over six years. The very beginning of 2017, um, the Lord gave me a series of dreams. And he asked me a question. And um, the question that he asked me was, do you want what's true? real or do you want an appearance and he in, in one of the dreams he used um, two different communities that I had been a part of 
to communicate to me his definition of true versus appearance. And one of the communities that I've had the opportunity to be a part of, um, really I think the best way to define what was present in the midst of those people and in that gathering was they were bound together by a sincere love for each other and a sincere love for the Lord. Like they all individually had their love for God, but they celebrated the love that God had for the person in front of them. And they not only honored who God was to them, but they honored who God was in each other. And so when God would put something on someone's heart to do, it, it, yes, they loved God and they wanted to honor God, but they were just as excited to serve the person in front of them and who God was in them or what God was doing through them. And so it was, it was a community that was rooted in genuine friendship. Um, they really knew each other. And it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to get together and have a fellowship time. It was like they knew each other and they were friends and they loved each other and they celebrated God in each other. That was one of the community, and he highlighted that to me in a dream. And then he immediately took me to another community that um, I had been a part of. And it was, you know, a, a rather regular like fellowship gathering together. We'd come together, we were just eating a meal. And as the Lord was just, it was like I was looking at the community from the side, and, and he was showing me that, you know, yay, they were all together, and they seemed to be happy, and they were talking, and they were fellowshipping, but they did not know each other, and they did not have a connection to each other. Um, they all loved God, and I think they all had a love for each other, but they didn't have the connection. They were more, it was almost like they were more bound by purpose than by love. Um, and really, it was just, there just wasn't a knowing. And in the dream, the Lord, you know, communicated to me that the first community that was bound by love and a true knowing and a true connection and a true friendship, that was true community. Like it was a common unity that was built by genuine love and trust and knowing. And then what he showed me and told me about this other community, he said, that had the appearance of community but it wasn't actually what was true. It wasn't actually the real essence and virtue of community as he defines it. And so he asked me the question, do you want what's true? Or do you want what's an appearance? And I was like, well, God, I want what's true. I want what's real. I want of the depth, you know, deep calls out to deep. And he said to me, in order to receive what's true, you're going to have to let go of everything that is an appearance. And like that's like been my life for a little bit over six years. Of um, it's, it's, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea. I mean, it's like everything from like, you know, the appearance of community to true community to, you know, do you want true and genuine union and unity with your husband? And do you want true love and respect for your husband? What's an appearance? True friendship. What's, what's true friends? You are true friends. What's true friendship? What's not? What's truth in Christ? 
what's true intimacy and vulnerability and, and what's more shallow and just an appearance. It's like God has been um, revealing to me the true nature, the true design, the true function of like everything in my life. Um, and it's, 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 been a, it's been hard to swallow, to be honest. You know, like my heart, for as long as I, I mean, when I, when I came to the Lord, like I came to the Lord in revival, like Rodney Howard Brown, this was back in like 1993. And like, I mean, I, I'd been raised in the Methodist church my whole life. I knew there was God, but like, it didn't mean anything to me. Well, I mean, the reality of Jesus just was like, and I was like, yes, like, and like, it was like he captured my heart so fully. Um, and it was like, Lord, I don't just want to like, you're not just my savior, I want to make you Lord. Like, I want to give my life to you. And so my heart is, and I want to be a vessel of honor, and I want to pay attention to you, and I want to honor you and love you and live in you. Is, you know, and so he takes that, and he works with us, and we're in this process and in this journey of getting to know him and getting to know ourselves. And so in some of the things that the Lord has shown me, it's been really sad because I wanted better. Like I didn't, you know, I just wanted better. I, I, I wanted more gold rather than wood, hay, and stubble. It's like that, that scripture of each man's work will be tested and what's wood, hay, and stubble will be revealed and what's of gold will be revealed as well. And I just feel like it's, it's been this process of like really seeing, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was compromising with wood, hay, and stubble. But you're so good, Lord. And it's like as hard as it's been. At the same time, I've never been more free. Like the truth has never been, the, the result of truth has never been more wonderful. Like I've never known such freedom. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, about two years um, into this process of God just kind of like shining his light and um, just showing me. I mean, even like simple things, like just a lot of it, even just my own motives, you know, things that I just did because it was the polite thing to do, but my heart really wasn't in it. I mean, something as simple as like, you know, I got a text from my boss once and, you know, she was asking me, I, I teach private voice lessons in the studio and she, occasionally a teacher's out, they ask us to sub and, you know, she wrote me a text asking if I could sub for so-and-so and as I'm texting back, I'm like, unfortunately, I'm not available. And as soon as I wrote that, the Holy Spirit was like, really? Is it unfortunate? that you're not able to be where she wants you to be, but you're where I want you to be? Like, is that really unfortunate? It's like, well, no. He's like, no, you're just not available. Just little things in terms of, like, that we just do sometimes, just out of, like, protocol that we've been taught. It's the kind thing to do. It's the, the honoring thing to do. And if you mean it, by all means. I didn't mean it. Like, it really wasn't a reflection of the truth of what was going on in me. And so about two years into this process of God just beginning to test everything and reveal everything, um, I had a very interesting experience um, followed by an encounter. And I'd been invited to participate in a, in a retreat 
um, with some worship leaders, and if I dropped their names, you would know who they are. And um, I'd been a part of the school years prior with them, and they had a little, nice little retreat gathering. There's only about eight or nine of us years after that. And so we were, you know, up in the mountains or whatever. And one of the things that we did while we were there is we had a time. It's like, please share some of the songs you're writing and let's just have a, you know, let's just join together and, you know. And so, you know, I shared whatever I shared. And kind of one of the main people who brought us together was like, I love, I love what you're doing. Would you please lead a set on our Saturday evening gathering? And it wasn't just for our little community, like our little gathering. It was for like the community at large. And I was like, yeah, sure, that would be awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to have the opportunity to serve in this way. And at that point, you know, the Lord had removed me from any type of worship leading, any type of ministry like that for like two years. So I was really excited at the chance to be able to do that. So that Saturday night, I sit down behind the keyboard. And as soon as I sit down to the keyboard, I feel in the spirit this horrible, restrictive presence and weight. Like, it, I don't know how to explain it. It was awful. I felt locked down. I felt like all the freedom that I enjoy with the Lord in my own home, and even though I wasn't like leading, I was still worshiping, and I was still, you know, writing, and just having a grand old time with the Lord, and going wherever, and that's just what I really enjoy doing. But when I sat down here, like, I, I, I was expecting to have the same kind of freedom that I would feel when I was, you know, at home, and I didn't. It was awful. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God, what is this? Um, and it was very disturbing. And, you know, I go ahead and I'm like, well, you know, I'm here, so I'm going to do my best to set my heart on you. I'm going to do my best to, to, to honor you and sing to you and, you know, connect with you. But at the same time, on the inside, I'm like, Oh God, what is this? What can I do to like, you know, get this, you know, to shift? Like this is awful. Um, and nothing, I didn't hear anything. Nothing changed. <laughs> Led the whole set with this horrible, and I was like, this is terrible. It was so bad. Um, but I got up really early the next morning. I mean, it, and I and I went. We were kind of like in the mountains. So I went up like the side mountain to pray. I was like, God, I, I really want to understand. Would you please share with me what I was encountering? Because it was so disturbing and it was so contrary to what I had known and what I'd been walking in and what I'd been experiencing. And um, he spoke very. I mean, it was like boom. He said to me. Wendy, you've let the church define too much for you. I said, what? You've let the church define too much for you. And through my conversation, what he explained to me, he's like, you've let the church define for you what a godly woman is and isn't what a godly wife is and isn't, what godly motherhood is and isn't, what your calling is and isn't, what is pleasing and isn't pleasing to me. Like, you've let their definition be a filter and a lens for you. And in my conversation, I felt like he spoke to me and showed me, he's like, those definitions at best are a mixture. But you've not allowed me to be the one who defines what your portion is. 
I have a desire for what my life in through you is. And it cannot be defined by man. And he just showed me where I was yielding and submitting to all these definitions and where I wasn't allowing him to be the one to choose and to lead and to really guide. And it's like, no wonder why I felt so burdened all the time. And no wonder why I felt like a taskmaster all the time. Because I was responding much more to expectations and much more to definitions and much more of something out here to tell me what I should be doing rather than allowing the Lord of life and the living God who lives in me be the one to determine that for me. And then he went on to explain to me that the weight of what I experienced in the spirit, that restriction, and it was a very real spiritual presence, he went on to explain to me that that was there. That weight of restriction was all the definitions I had agreed with that a worship leader is and isn't. And it wasn't his definition for me. And if we think about it, you know, even the word worship leader, you don't see that, as far as I know, you don't see those two words directly side by side anywhere in Scripture. It, it's, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, or that, but it is something that man has kind of created in a way. Um, and it's like, okay, but where is God in it, and what would God have to say? I have experienced all this freedom in my worship with the Lord and in my flow and in whatever that all is. Because in those, for those two years, I was just Wendy. It was just Wendy, you know, being Wendy with God. With, you know. And then but all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I have this responsibility a worship leader. I've got to lead this set. And I, had, I just had all these definitions of what that would wouldn't be. Like, worship leaders do this, they don't do this. Worship leaders cultivate this, they don't do this. Worship leaders are sensitive to this, they're not to this. You can't go out over here. Like, there's a set of different protocol in different places. Um, and, and again, it's not to say, I'm not going to sit here and say that all protocol is incorrect or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is, what is the foundation of what you're responding to? Is that the protocol that the Lord has chosen for that moment, or for that encounter, or for that gathering? Or is that just our idea of what we think we should be doing? Because um, maybe it's what we've known, or maybe it's what worked you know, prior to this. And so as I started processing this, and I was like, okay, God, just, I, I really, man, you know, he, he started communicating the, just the passion that he has as a potter and as a father. Like, how much he loves having his hands on us, the clay. How much he loves it. Um, he's jealous. He's jealous. He knows what he has purposed, and he knows what he has created, and he knows what he is fashioning, and he knows. And yet I realized I was letting other perspectives mold me um, because I didn't submit it. I didn't ask, what do you think about this, Lord? I didn't, I didn't consider that maybe his purpose or his perspective was different. 
um, and that maybe what was appropriate for one person over here wasn't appropriate for me. Or even in my own life, what was appropriate in one season of my life just wasn't appropriate in another. And you know, and I learned, I saw like how much I wanted to trust something external than just the life of Christ, his spirit, his nature, his virtue, his truth. And as I would go through um, scripture, the Lord would highlight the Pharisees to me. Um, And, you know, the Pharisees, they had a very clear definition of who Messiah was going to be. What he was going to look like, what he was going to accomplish and do, what his agenda was going to be, who he was going to hang out with and who he wasn't going to hang out with, what his priorities were and weren't going to be. They had a very clear definition. And yet, here, the gift of God, Jesus himself, is standing in front of them. And because they were either unable to or unwilling to submit their definitions, they weren't able to receive him. And not only were they not able to receive Jesus, they in turn persecute and oppose him. And the Lord you know, spoke to me and was like, Wendy, your own unsubmitted definitions and expectations have the same power. If you're unwilling to submit your ideas, your conclusions, your perspective, you can very well end up missing the gift of God that is standing right in front of you. And not only can you not be in a position to receive it, you may very seriously in turn oppose and persecute who I am and what I am doing. And that to me really conveyed the necessity of humbling myself and saying, okay, God, lead me and guide me into this process of leaning and realizing what it is that I'm doing, why I'm doing it, what it is that I'm responding to. Um, Because there's a very big difference between responding to everything that's going on out here versus responding to who he is in us. I had no idea the weight of my agreement and what that produced in the spirit. Like that whole encounter of sitting behind the keyboard and, and feeling this heaviness and this restriction, I had no idea that my agreement would empower such a thing. I mean, and we talk about it. It's like, let your yes be yes and your no be no and anything other than that, you know, is of the enemy. Um, we have all kinds of, you know, what you find and lose, but I just, I didn't realize the power of my agreement. And I didn't realize the weight of my own authority. But we carry authority in Christ, and what we believe matters. It establishes things here in the earth. God has given the earth into our hands. And what we believe, and what we say, and what we do, it carries weight. But the beauty of it is, is Jesus provides everything we need. But so often, at least for me, I felt like I had to do something. I had to put something on. I had to make something happen. Or I, rather than, it is Christ in me. And so... 
in this journey of truth versus appearance, definitions, expectations, what am I responding to? It's really come back to who is Christ in me? Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, it's interesting, the old covenant is all about external agreement. You go about doing this, do that. I want to be your God. I want to bless you. But your end of the covenant is it's an external agreement. It's like, do this, don't do this, because this will position you to receive who I am and what, what I have for you and the life that I have for you as my children. And you know what? It's going to mark you. You're going to look different from all the other nations and all the other peoples. But it was a marking of external agreement. And you know what? God said, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. I'm writing a new covenant. Well, I'm going to put my word into your heart where he is in us. And the starting point for our lives is Christ in us. The starting point of our lives is the word of God that has already been written into our hearts. Even Paul talks about the kingdom of heaven is not right, it is not eating and drinking. That's external activity. That's the feasts. He says, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is an internal reality first. Of course, it has an external manifestation, but it has an internal reality first. And I really believe that living from the inside out is what grants us, well, I'll put it this way, for me, since seeking to intentionally live from the inside out, I have found much greater joy in who the Lord is. I have found much greater freedom. I have experienced his fellowship. It's very hard. It's been very hard, though, because it's been a complete shift of priority. And, I mean, my kids and my husband will be the first to say, yeah, it doesn't always look very pretty. Kind of messy actually at times because it's hard to let go it's hard to lay down it's hard to say no what you spent your life saying yes to it's hard to yield when you're used to being strong in areas it's hard to say okay i will lay down i will go lower but that's where the life of christ is found he is found it's like when I must decrease, he must increase. He is found when we lay down and we go low. And we say, you know what? I don't have to understand. I don't have to know. It doesn't have to look the way I want it to look. I didn't realize how many definitions I had of where I thought God should be and what I thought God should be doing and what I thought my life should look like and all the definitions of what victorious living is and isn't, and what faith and trust is and isn't. And how many times when I say or even hear others say, well, I prayed about this, and God just didn't answer. And God's like, no, you were expecting the answer to look a specific way. 
and you couldn't see what I was doing because you were expecting it to look like this. But my priority and what I was doing was over here. And if you had been willing to just let go of your idea of what it's supposed to be, you would have been able to receive and enter in to the portion I had for you and for what I was actually doing. You know, Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see my Father doing. And you know, there was pressure on Jesus at times to like do what the people wanted him to do. But you know, I think of Lazarus, like they came to him weeping, like Lazarus is dead. And you know what? He didn't just go and run in that moment. He waited, he waited days because he waited on the Father. He didn't, he didn't respond to their definition. He might, I mean, he wept. I think he was, I mean, even maybe in his own heart. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in his own heart he wanted to go. But he waited on his father. And he was willing to not have an expectation of what God was supposed to be doing and where he was supposed to be. He really yielded. You know, even in the garden, he's like, oh God, Father, if you can take this cup from me. Like, he didn't want it. But he said, but not my will, yours be done. I so appreciate that song that you have in the playlist about whistling in the will. Whistle in the will, because really it is, the will of the Lord is the bondage breaker. It really is. You know, and something that I've learned about myself is that, like, in suffering, we have a choice. We go and escape and do what numbs and helps us forget about it, or we can enter into the fellowship that Jesus is offering us in it. And the fellowship with him, obviously, that's what satisfies. But we can feel shame, we can feel pain, we can feel um, any number of things in response to the suffering. But the choice is, am I going to respond and join the Lord where he is in my life? Or am I going to like, because he's always doing something in us. He's always, he's always working. He's alive. He's in us. He's around us. He's through us. He's in each other. And what he chooses for one person is not necessarily what he's choosing for another. You know, I think about my own journey as a mom. When I had Gracie, I had been in a car accident that left me barely able to walk around the block for three and a half years. We lived with my mom and dad for 18 months. I couldn't even stand and hold her at seven pounds. Her, as baby, I, I mean, she basically lived in like those like little dresses, like the little onesie nightgown dress, and like the little onesies, like for the whole first year of her life, because I could not physically change her to put all the cute stuff. I couldn't put the cute little bows in her hair, and I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. 
And when I was pregnant, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, don't you dare. This is kind of my language. It wasn't quite like this, but it hit me like this. It was like, do not, whatever you do, do not open up a parenting magazine book. Do not. Like, okay, and of course they're mailing them to my house because you get on some list, I guess, when you go to the doctor. I don't know. But like all the parenting magazines kind of flooded to my house. And it was like, I cannot look at it. I cannot open it up. Even though I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do as a mother. You know? And Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you. And when I think about it and I look back at it, I'm like, Okay, because I think about all the definitions that must have been written in those magazines and in those books of what your baby should be like or not be like and what you should do as a mother and not do. And you know what? I could not be or do any of that for my daughter. So if I had leaned into that, I think to myself, how much shame and condemnation would I have lived under? Because a good mom can at least hold her baby and rock her back and forth. A good mom can get on the floor and play with them. A good mom, I, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I couldn't do any of that. But you know, the Lord led me in a different way. For the most part, when she was the first six months of her life, I would just sit her in her boppy seat and I'd be lying down on the bed because I couldn't do anything else. And I'd just be reading scripture to her and praying it into her. <sighs> That was my first six months of motherhood. Because <laughs> I couldn't do anything else. I could barely feed her. Like, I mean, I couldn't even hold her up. I was like, Wah, you know, then, you know, it was weird. It was crazy. But it worked. But it's like, if I am grateful, because that was the grace of the Lord to protect me. It was the grace of the Lord to center me. It was the grace of the Lord to me respond to who he is and where he is and what his portion is. And to not have a filter come from another direction that would have produced shame and condemnation in me at the time. But like a lot of, honestly, a lot of the bondage that we feel comes back down to those definitions and those expectations that we don't even realize we're operating in and that we're responding to. And the Lord's like, I'm the redeemer, I'm the deliverer, I'm the healer, I'm your freedom, I'm your lover, I'm your the designer of your life. And you can trust me to guide you. My sheep know my voice. You can trust me. I am a thorough, adequate, good shepherd. And I know how to feed you. And I know how to counsel you. I know how to rebuke you. The discipline, I know how to teach you, I know how to take you where you need to go. I am the good shepherd, you are just a sheep, and I don't expect you to be more than just a sheep. But we expect to be more than sheep. Like we expect sometimes to be superhuman sheep or whatever, I don't even know what that is. But you know, we, we can have these ideas of success. And it's great when God defines for you his pleasure. It's great when God says, well done. And that's what we want. We want his well done. Not our own. We want his pleasure. Not our own or somebody else's. Christ is so near. Um, he's 
so near. I mean, really and truly. You know, even Paul talks about, you know, a man will marry his wife, they will become one flesh. It's this major mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. Like, the nearness of Christ and the mystery of Christ that is right here, that he invites us to eat and to drink and to feast on and to abide in and dwell in, it is our sufficiency. He really is more than enough. Now that's easier to say sometimes than actually walking it out, because I know for me, it's been the exposure of other loves. It's been the exposure of other sources of strength. It's been the, it's, it's been the exposure and the revealing of maybe what's good, but not actually where he is. You know, I've I've, I've struggled. I really, I really have struggled in a lot of ways. Um, because really, it's just a having, it's just again, the laying down and the letting go and the surrender. And the, you know, okay, God, I know I heard these words from you. And I'm like, this is not at all what. But you know what? I'm not the end of the story either. None of us are. And it's, even though we desire to see those promises fulfilled, he is the greater treasure. He is the one that makes all things new. He's the one that calls us. He's the one that cares for us. He's the one that prepares for us. He's the greater treasure, and he's near. He's super near. And it's like, okay, God, teach me, teach us how to tend to your presence within us. That whole scripture that I mentioned last night about, you know, honoring, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And, and I had one translation, it's like, nurture the Lord with all your heart, all your power. In all your ruminations, and it's like, okay, how do I nurture the mystery of Christ that's within me? How do I nurture who He is in me? How do I nurture who He is around me? How do I nurture who Christ is in you and you? How do we nurture who He is in each other? Because we all have different ways of revealing who He is, and He's worth celebrating in one another. He's worth celebrating in ourselves. He's worth celebrating in each other. And I really believe, I guess, I guess, maybe just in your walk with God and in your processing, ask yourself, what am I responding to? Am I responding to what's going on out here? what out here wants to tell me about my life, what out here wants to tell me about who I am, what out here wants to tell me about, or am I responding to who Christ is in me? And I have found that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I didn't realize how many yokes and burdens I was carrying just to try to be 
that I felt God wanted me to be. He spoke to me one day. I was looking out in my yard, and it was the dead of winter, and this was up in Ohio, actually, and no tree in the backyard, and it was just no leaves. It was, I mean, it was winter. It was, it was dormant. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He's like, do you think that tree is having a hard time being what it is? It's like, it, it is what it is. And it produces in its season. And its leaves fall in its season. And it lays dormant in its season. And then somehow, comes back to life at just the right time. It puts forth its flowers at just the right time. And then at just the right time, they become fall. And then at just the right time, do you think that tree has a hard time letting go? Do you think that tree has a hard time letting the season come and go, letting its leaves fly off? And I was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know the trees clap their hands, and I know that they, you know, they have their own expression to God. But I have a feeling that they probably don't struggle <laughs> to be what they've been created or designed to be. But how much do we? struggle with that? How much have I struggled with that? And God's like, really, you can just be who you are in me. You can trust me. I am near. You are not on your own. You are not orphaned. Or you have to just figure this out by yourself. I am with you. I am the resurrection and the life. I have all the power, all the wisdom, all the grace, all the mercy, all the help you could ever need. But you know what? It's probably going to look really different than you thought. And if you think grace looks a certain way, you're only going to be able to receive it when it manifests that way. But grace is bigger than what you want to say it is. Mercy is bigger. Love is bigger than what you want to say it is. So let go, Wendy. I will lead you. I will guide you. I, 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 I love you. I know the plans and the purposes that I have for you. I know what I'm cultivating. Much of what is cultivated we do not see. It is deep under the ground. And he is a gardener. And he loves having his hands in the dirt. Even what we might want to call the pew of our lives is awesome fertilizer in his hands. And he loves digging deep. He loves it. He's not bothered. It's not hard for him to be who he is. He delights in being who he is. He wants to be our gardener. He wants to be our deliverer. He wants to be our teacher. He wants to be our lover. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be our brother. He wants to be our Father. He wants to be our Redeemer. He wants to be all in all. And we have the privilege of simply saying yes and receiving. Freely have you received, freely give. He doesn't ask us to give out of what we are lacking. He invites us to give out of what he has freely provided us. I'm reminded of a, of a story of a, of a time once. Um, 
had a, uh, you know, those walking boots, you know, when you injure your foot, and you walk in and want to have one of those for a period of time. And then it was in my attic for a few years. And then a friend of mine um, was like, my daughter needs a walking boot. Um, and I was like, yay. And I was like, I got one here, you know. Let me find it in my attic. I'd be happy to let her borrow it or whatever. And so, and this is a, her, the, the woman's daughter was like around my age or whatever, so it felt really well. And, um, you know, six weeks later, she calls me up, and she's like, I got the boot, Trina's done with it, thank you so much, can we meet? And I get back to her, like, yeah, sure. So she hands me the boot back, and she's like, oh, thank you so much, let me borrow this boot, it made all the difference, this was great. And what came out of my mouth was, I'm so glad I had it to give. And when I turned and walked away from that conversation, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you were able to give that boot to her because you knew you were in possession of it. It's important that you understand what you are in possession of, what you have received, because I will help you understand where I am and what I need. Because we're called to live from the inside out. We're called to live from who Christ is in us and with us and for us. We're not called to live according to what we think godly living is. We're called to live from the true source of life. The truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And really, kind of another way of language that I feel like God is kind of doing it, it's like, I'm always inviting you, Wendy. Everything is an invitation. You can find an invitation from me in the midst of everything. Because I am with you. And I have a plan, and I have a purpose. And I am working in you, and I know what I'm building, and I know what I'm doing, and I know what I'm preparing. And no matter what it is, there's an invitation. It can still be hard, though. The whole not my will, yours be done, and the whole laying down of like, wow, I really wish this didn't hurt so much. I wish this looked different. I wish this was different. But once I get over that, and I say, okay, Lord, yes, yes, man, that fellowship, and the strength that comes from his presence, the empowerment of his grace, the empowerment of his mercy, the empowerment of his love, because I'm agreeing with him, and I'm choosing to say yes to you, Lord. And I'm choosing, really, when it comes down to I want oneness with God. I want that union with Christ. I want him to reveal the things that hinder that. You know, I was reminded the other day that we don't always understand, we don't, I mean, I know, we pray in tongues, we don't really always know what we're praying and asking God for. He sure does, and he's responding. I was reminded, I heard a story of someone talking about how they found themselves in a situation giving a prophetic word actually to like a world leader. And he was like, how in the world did a Jewish businessman find himself in this position? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, oh, you, you pray about it. This is what you pray in tongues all the time. 
the situation you're in right now is what you've been asking of me in tongues. Oh, like, that's what you pray about all the time. And I mean, and it was like, it just hit me. I was so thankful for that story because it's like, yes, because you know, when we're engaged in the spirit, there are groanings and there are moanings that we don't understand, but he does and he interprets. But again, if I had an idea of what the life of Christ should be and what it should look like or what the plan of God is or isn't for me or whatever. Am I really going to be able to move into that? Oh, I hope so by his grace. But how much better to just not even have it? How much better to not have a competing agenda and a competing opinion and a compete? I mean, why bother? I mean, what a waste of time and energy to cultivate a competing agenda. It's not worth it. But it's so upside down, inside out, from at least how I was raised and how I was trained in my life. And I'm like, I don't want that. But it, it can be costly too. I mean, that's where I found out who my true friends are and aren't. Because when you stop doing the things that they think you should be doing, or you stop manifesting things that they're used to seeing. But God's like, I'm here and I'm doing this. And you have some that love you anyway. And then you have others who are offended. Well, that was a real awakening to me. Of what true friendship is. What true honor is. And again, it's about just finding, finding our sufficiency in Christ. And learning to live from the strength that is in us that he put there. He gives us the daily bread that we need. He gives us what we need for the moment at hand. I don't have to go looking out over here. He's right here feeding me. He's right here feeding me. And I can receive from who he is and the portion he has for me today. And I can walk that out. And I can do so in peace. I can do so in rest. I may have some grief. I mean, that's just real. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm still really in the middle of all of this. And I'm like, one of these days, I know that, when it, I know, I know he's building and doing, and, but it's like, okay though like I don't have to understand I don't have to I can just love him and be loved by him you know it's funny um one other thought that comes to share is just like you know sometimes here on the inside it's kind of messy but that's okay too and a lot of times we don't um respond the way we wish we would and um but it's really interesting because the Lord is such an encouragement to me and it just again it, it, it opened me up to, oh, God, you just see things so differently, don't you? Where I would want to judge me and where I would want to say, I'm so missing the mark. He said to me, I like you better now. And I'm like, because, you know, I can look back and I can see things that, like, seemed pretty cool in God and seemed pretty amazing. And, you know, God's like, I like you way better. And I think it's just that um, authenticity, the realness, 
the coming to know him and who he is and not putting on anything. He's the one who dresses us. He dresses us. He clothes us with Christ. He provides the resources we need. He provides the strategies. He provides the keys. He provides the direction. He provides the words. He provides. And we get to be like little kids and receive. And wonder. And go low. Because that's where he is. So I have um, a little song um, that I would like for Tim to play. Um, it's one of my favorite songs, but I just want to encourage you to sit and listen to it and meditate on it a little bit. Um, it's all about living from the inside out and cultivating the garden of our hearts, the garden, the garden of our hearts. Jesus is not after our performance. He loves our hearts. He loves us. He wants to dwell. He wants to be who he is in us. And he wants us to discover the true joy and fulfillment of being found in him and growing in union with him. So this is a little song about that. So.
Thank you for the treasure of Christ that you've chosen the place within us. We don't want to be our own, Lord. We want to be yours. We want to be your garden. Teach us your ways, O oh God. Grant us willing ears to hear your voice. Willing eyes to see what you want us to see. Soft and pliable and humble hearts that are willing to be open and to receive. Grant us the grace to lay down, to abide in you. Teach us, show us, Lord, what we are responding to. Teach us how to live from you how to live from who you are in us, how to live from your portion, and teach us how to serve and honor those around us, to live in agreement with who you are in them and to them and for them and through them. Father, I ask for enlarged capacity and just more room and that you would come and fill us with your spirit. Father, I ask that you would help us to become more aware of your presence in us. Help us to become more aware of your truth, your power that is in us. And Father, I ask that you would help us to become like little children who trust you, who follow you, who embrace the mystery of you. Help us to be content with mystery. We love you, Lord. I ask that you would continue to just blue our hearts and meet us in all that we do, in everywhere that we go, in all of our interactions, in this time, this weekend. God, I pray that what you want to deposit and establish and cultivate and be and do in each one of us, that your pleasure be fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I guess we're kind of kind of new over here, maybe. <laughs> um, so, if you want to participate in our little art activity, um, I ask that as you make your way over into the other room, that you look around and you pick something from outside to bring in with you. There's lots of things outside, any number of things. Yes? Do you think it would be okay if 
Yes. That would be wonderful. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Wander. Just, in fact, I would, I would encourage you to ask, ask the Holy Spirit to draw your attention to something outside. And wherever your attention goes, pick it up and bring it with you. And then we'll meet in there. I have no idea what time it is, but uh, okay, yes, at 11. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, yes, at 11.20, we'll meet back in there. That's good. Yeah. When she says pick something, you can actually pick it up with your hands. It's fair game. Man-made, natural material, doesn't matter. Just, this looks interesting. Take it with you. Bye.